book five chapters ten through thirteen of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovitch lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book five the third extract from pechorin's diary princess mary chapter ten june thirteenth half an hour before the ball grushnitski presented himself to me in the full splendour of the uniform of the line infantry attached to his third button was a little bronze chain on which hung a double lorgnette epaulettes of incredible size were bent backwards and upwards in the shape of a cupid's wings his boots creaked in his left hand he held cinnamon-coloured kid gloves and a forage cap and with his right he kept every moment twisting his frizzled tuft of hair up into tiny curls complacency and at the same time a certain diffidence were depicted upon his face his festal appearance and proud gait would have made me burst out laughing if such a proceeding had been in accordance with my intentions he threw his cap and gloves on the table and began to pull down the skirts of his coat and to put himself to rights before the looking-glass an enormous black handkerchief which was twisted into a very high stiffener for his cravat and the bristles of which supported his chin stuck out an inch over his collar it seemed to him to be rather small and he drew it up as far as his ears as a result of that hard work the collar of his uniform being very tight and uncomfortable he grew red in the face they say you have been courting my princess terribly these last few days he said rather carelessly and without looking at me where are we fools to drink tea i answered repeating a pet phrase of one of the cleverest rogues of past times once celebrated in song by pushkin tell me does my uniform fit me well oh the cursed jew how it cuts me under the armpits have you got any scent good gracious what more do you want you are reeking of rose pomade as it is never mind give me some he poured half a file over his cravat his pocket handkerchief his sleeves you are going to dance he asked i think not i am afraid i shall have to lead off the mazurka with princess mary and i scarcely know a single figure have you asked her to dance the mazurka with you not yet mind you are not forestalled just so indeed he said striking his forehead good-bye i will go and wait for her at the entrance he seized his forage cap and ran half an hour later i also set off the street was dark and deserted around the assembly rooms or in whichever you prefer people were thronging the windows were lighted up the strains of the regimental band were borne to me on the evening breeze i walked slowly i felt melancholy can it be possible i thought that my sole mission on earth is to destroy the hopes of others ever since i began to live and to act it seems always to have been my fate to play a part in the ending of other people's dramas as if but for me no one could either die or fall into despair i have been the indispensable person of the fifth act unwillingly i have played the pitiful part of an executioner or a traitor what object has fate had in this surely i have not been appointed by destiny to be an author of middle-class tragedies and family romances or to be a collaborator with a purveyor of stories for the reader's library for example how can i tell are there not many people who in beginning life 
think to end it like lord byron or alexander the great and nevertheless remain titular councillors all their days entering the saloon i concealed myself in a crowd of men and began to make my observations grushnitski was standing beside princess mary and saying something with great warmth she was listening to him absent-mindedly and looking about her her fan laid to her lips impatience was depicted upon her face her eyes were searching all around for somebody i went softly behind them in order to listen to their conversation you torture me princess grushnitski was saying you have changed dreadfully since i saw you last you too have changed she answered casting a rapid glance at him in which he was unable to detect the latent sneer i changed oh never you know that such a thing is impossible whoever has seen you once will bear your divine image with him for ever oh stop but why will you not let me say to-night what you have so often listened to with condescension and just recently too because i do not like repetitions she answered laughing oh i have been bitterly mistaken i thought fool that i was that these epaulettes at least would give me the right to hope no it would have been better for me to have remained for ever in that contemptible soldier's cloak to which probably i was indebted for your attention as a matter of fact the cloak is much more becoming to you at that moment i went up and bowed to princess mary she blushed a little and went on rapidly is it not true monsieur pechorin that the grey cloak suits monsieur grushnitski much better i do not agree with you i answered he is more youthful-looking still in his uniform that was a blow which grushnitski could not bear like all boys he has pretensions to being an old man he thinks that the deep traces of passions upon his countenance take the place of the lines scored by time he cast a furious glance at me stamped his foot and took himself off confess now i said to princess mary that although he has always been most ridiculous yet not so long ago he seemed to you to be interesting in the grey cloak she cast her eyes down and made no reply grushnitski followed the princess about during the whole evening and danced either with her or vis-a-vis -vis. he devoured her with his eyes sighed and wearied her with prayers and reproaches after the third quadrille she had begun to hate him i did not expect this from you he said coming up to me and taking my arm what you are going to dance the mazurka with her he asked in a solemn tone she admitted it well what then it's not a secret is it of course not i ought to have expected such a thing from that chit that flirt i will have my revenge though you should lay the blame on your cloak or your epaulettes but why accuse her what fault is it of hers that she does not like you any longer but why give me hopes why did you hope to desire and to strive after something that i can understand but whoever hopes you have won the wager but not quite he said with a malignant smile the mazurka began grushnitski chose no one but the princess other cavaliers chose her every minute obviously a conspiracy against me all the better she wants to talk to me they are preventing her she will want to twice as much i squeezed her hand once or twice the second time she drew it away without saying a word i shall sleep badly to-night she said to me when the mazurka was over grushnitski is to blame for that oh no and her face became so pensive so sad that i promised myself that i would not fail to kiss her hand that evening 
the guests began to disperse as i was handing princess mary into her carriage i rapidly pressed her little hand to my lips the night was dark and nobody could see i returned to the saloon very well satisfied with myself the young men grushnitski amongst them were having supper at the large table as i came in they all fell silent evidently they had been talking about me since the last ball many of them have been sulky with me especially the captain of dragoons and now it seems a hostile gang is actually being formed against me under the command of grushnitski he wears such a proud and courageous air i am very glad i love enemies though not in the christian sense they amuse me stir my blood to be always on one's guard to catch every glance the meaning of every word to guess intentions to crush conspiracies to pretend to be deceived and suddenly with one blow to overthrow the whole immense and laboriously constructed edifice of cunning and design that is what i call life during supper grushnitski kept whispering and exchanging winks with the captain of dragoons chapter eleven june fourteenth vera and her husband left this morning for kislovodsk i met their carriage as i was walking to princess ligovsky's vera nodded to me reproach was in her glance who is to blame then why will she not give me an opportunity of seeing her alone love is like fire if not fed it dies out perchance jealousy will accomplish what my entreaties have failed to do i stayed a whole hour at princess ligovsky's mary has not been out she is ill in the evening she was not on the boulevard the newly formed gang armed with lorgnettes has in very fact assumed a menacing aspect i am glad that princess mary is ill they might be guilty of some impertinence towards her grushnitski goes about with dishevelled locks and wears an appearance of despair he is evidently afflicted as a matter of fact his vanity especially has been injured but you see there are some people in whom even despair is diverting on my way home i noticed that something was lacking i have not seen her she is ill surely i have not fallen in love with her in real earnest what nonsense chapter twelve june fifteenth at eleven o'clock in the morning the hour at which princess ligovsky is usually perspiring in the ermolov baths i walked past her house princess mary was sitting pensively at the window on seeing me she sprang up i entered the anteroom there was nobody there and availing myself of the freedom afforded by the local customs i made my way unannounced into the drawing-room princess mary's charming countenance was shrouded with a dull pallor she was standing by the pianoforte leaning one hand on the back of an armchair her hand was very faintly trembling i went up to her softly and said you are angry with me she lifted a deep languid glance upon me and shook her head her lips were about to utter something but failed her eyes filled with tears she sank into the armchair and buried her face in her hands what is the matter with you i said taking her hand you do not respect me oh leave me i took a few steps she drew herself up in the chair her eyes sparkled i stopped still took hold of the handle of the door and said forgive me princess i have acted like a madman it will not happen another time i shall see to that but how can you know what has been taking place hitherto within my soul that you will never learn and so much the better for you farewell 
as i was going out i seemed to hear her weeping i wandered on foot about the environs of mount mashuk till evening fatigued myself terribly and on arriving home flung myself on my bed utterly exhausted werner came to see me is it true he asked that you are going to marry princess mary what the whole town is saying so all my patients are occupied with that important piece of news but you know what these patients are they know everything this is one of grushnitsky's tricks i said to myself to prove the falsity of these rumours doctor i may mention as a secret that i am moving to kislevost to-morrow and princess mary too no she remains here another week so you are not going to get married doctor doctor look at me am i in the least like a bridegroom or any such thing i am not saying so but you know there are occasions he added with a crafty smile in which an honourable man is obliged to marry and there are mothers who to say the least do not prevent such occasions and so as a friend i should advise you to be more cautious the air of these parts is very dangerous how many handsome young men worthy of a better fate have i not seen departing from here straight to the altar would you believe me they were even going to find a wife for me that is to say one person was a lady belonging to this district who had a very pale daughter i had the misfortune to tell her that the latter's colour would be restored after wedlock and then with tears of gratitude she offered me her daughter's hand and the whole of her own fortune fifty souls i think but i replied that i was unfit for such an honour werner left fully convinced that he had put me on my guard i gathered from his words that various ugly rumours were already being spread about the town on the subject of princess mary and myself grushnitsky shall smart for this chapter thirteen june eighteenth i have been in kislovotsk three days now every day i see vera at the well and out walking in the morning when i awake i sit by my window and direct my lorgnette at her balcony she has already been dressed long ago and is waiting for the signal agreed upon we meet as though unexpectedly in the garden which slopes down from our houses to the well the life-giving mountain air has brought back her colour and her strength not for nothing is narzan called the spring of heroes the inhabitants aver that the air of kislovotsk predisposes the heart to love and that all the romances which have had their beginning at the foot of mount mashuk find their consummation here and in very fact everything here breathes of solitude everything has an air of secrecy the thick shadows of the linden avenues bending over the torrent which falls noisy and foaming from flag to flag and cleaves itself away between the windows now becoming clad with verdure the mist-filled silent ravines with their ramifications straggling away in all directions the freshness of the aromatic air laden with the fragrance of the tall southern grasses and the white acacia the never-ceasing sweetly slumberous babble of the cool brooks which meeting at the end of the valley flow along in friendly emulation and finally fling themselves into podkumuk on this side the ravine is wider and becomes converted into a verdant dell through which winds the dusty road every time i look at it i seem to see a carriage coming along and a rosy little face looking out of the carriage window many carriages have already driven by but there is still no sign of that particular one 
the village which lies behind the fortress has become populous in the restaurant built upon a hill a few paces distant from my lodgings lights are beginning to flash in the evening through the double row of poplars noise and the jingling of glasses resound till late at night in no place are such quantities of kakitian wine and mineral waters drunk as here and many are willing to mix the two but that is a thing i never do every day grushnitski and his gang are to be found brawling in the inn and he has almost ceased to greet me he only arrived yesterday and has already succeeded in quarrelling with three old men who were going to take their places in the baths before him decidedly his misfortunes are developing a warlike spirit within him end of book five chapter thirteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine